Well, I hope this is the only time I end up doing this, but we are going to look at the entire chapter of chapter 4 today, Proverbs 4. I was hoping to break up the, the passages and or the chapters and focus on just portions, but this, this chapter really doesn't lend itself to that. And if you've been reviewing the, the chapters, if you've read all through chapter 1, 2, and 3 the last few weeks, you might feel that these things are getting a little repetitive because the first nine chapters of Proverbs are focused on a father's instructions to his sons, to his children. And, and it does get repetitive. This is one of the reasons why reading through Proverbs in a month can be kind of difficult. After, after a while, you feel like, okay, I've heard this before. I've heard this before. But you know, when you, when you repeat something, it's the person you're talking to to get it. And, and especially in Scripture, when things are repeated, it means they're important, that you really need to pay attention. And, and what we are going to see today in Proverbs chapter 4 are uh, three instances that are begun, three, three sections that begin with instructions, specifically, hero sons, or hear my son, or my son, give attention. And, and so... Uh, the overwhelming focus in this passage is it's not just wisdom in general. You know, later on in Proverbs, we get a lot of general wisdom. But early on, early on, this is written from Solomon to his, to his sons, to his children, wanting them to gain wisdom and, and that they would live their lives based on wisdom. And I, I would say that that's not just a, a father's desire, but a mother's desire that, that is a parent's hope that when you, when you get this little bundle, you know, and you, you gave birth to it, and you nurture it, and you help it to grow, and you teach it how to walk, and you teach it what to eat and what not to eat, and you teach it not to touch certain things and to, 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 to hold on to other things, and your, your desire is that they would grow up and walk in good paths. In fact, there's places in Proverbs where it talks about that a foolish son is a grief to his mother. You know, to, 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 to raise a child up, to nurture him, and to send him off, and then to watch him make foolish decisions, to ruin their lives, to wreck their lives, it brings grief on a mother. And so Solomon's instructions here, his, his hope, and I would think that any parent's hope, Lord willing, I recognize there are some bad parents in the world. I recognize there are some parents that do not try to teach their children to walk in wise ways. But we're looking at good parents, right? We're looking at people who want their kids to succeed, want their kids to grow up. I, I, I think it's a natural desire that you don't want your kid to be as big of a mess up as you are, right? You want them to, to not make the same mistakes you've made. You want them to do everything just right so that they can have a good life. And obviously that doesn't always happen. And no kid has ever gotten through life doing everything just right. Except for this one guy. And we like him a lot, right? Jesus. But the hope is still there. And, and so we're just going to go through this chapter. We're going to look at each of these sections 
the first one is in verses 1 through 9, and, and we're just going to kind of touch on what, what Solomon is saying here to his children. He begins in, in verse 1, Hear, O sons, the instruction of a father, and give attention that you may gain understanding. Pay attention to what I am teaching you. Hear what I am instructing you. This isn't just, this isn't just general information. This is a Father's instructions to you. He says in verse 2, For I give you sound teaching. Do not abandon My instruction. Solomon has no qualms about the idea that what he has to teach his kids is good stuff. He isn't sitting there saying, you know, I'm pretty ignorant, I don't know, do your best. No, he's saying, listen to what I'm telling you. Listen to the words I have. I have wisdom. Sometimes, mothers and fathers, we have wisdom because we walk down the wrong paths. And so we go to our kids and we say, walk down the right paths because I know the wrong path, and I don't want you to go down that. I was unfortunately the kind of kid that thought, well, if you went down that path, what's, you, know, you don't have any right to tell me not to walk down that path, and I had to learn the hard way too. Hopefully your children are wiser than that, though. Give it, give attention, for I give you sound teaching. Do not abandon my instruction. That means that as you're learning as a child, and then you grow up, don't, don't leave it. Hold on to that teaching. Remember that teaching that you gained when you were younger. He says in verse 3, When I was a son to my father, tender and the only son in the sight of my mother. Before I had any siblings. And so Solomon was, uh, he had other uh, brothers and sisters from uh, David and Bathsheba, but early on, when he was tender and the only son in the sight of his mother, he says in verse 4, then he taught me and said to me. So, so what Solomon is sharing here isn't just what he has obtained on his own. He's saying, look, I am sharing with you what your grandfather shared with me. This is intergenerational wisdom. This is the stuff that gets passed down at the family. I think almost all families have certain ways that we operate, that we, the values that we hold to. I remember as a young guy, my dad talking about, you know, he didn't know a whole lot, but he understood that the things that men were supposed to do was to take care of women and, and, and protect them. And he understood that from his dad. And he knew there were certain ways we were supposed to operate. And, and there was certain uh, um, honor you were supposed to give. I remember a wonderful story my dad likes to share where he thought he could talk back to my mom, uh, my grandmother. And my grandmother said that her husband, his dad, would take care of him when he got home. And my grandfather got home and found out what had happened. And he went to talk to my dad. And my dad was a single child for about eight years. So he might, I don't know how old this was when it happened. But you got to understand, my grandfather was a World War II vet. My grandmother, I mean, they were just, they were cut from a cloth, you know. My grandfather came into my dad's presence or called him in. I don't know how it went, but this is, this is what gets passed down. My grandfather had very few words. He, he was not a violent and uh, boisterous yelling type of person. He was a very calm man. And he just explained to my dad, 
that if there was a fire in the house and I can only save one of you, I'm saving your mother. That's it. And by that, my dad understood where he stood. He understood he was not number one. He understood he came second after mom. He understood that dad and mom were a unit, and dad loved mom. And if it came to a choice between his son, his firstborn son, and his wife, sorry, son, you're on your own. I'm saving your mom because that's where you rate. And my dad took that and understood it and realized, I better never disrespect my mom again because I don't, I don't have that authority. And he took that and he understood, hey, we, we honor women. We protect women. We don't treat them the way I try to treat my mother. His father started leading him when he was young, and even as he grew old, he always held on to this. And that's what he's saying here. He, uh, when, when Solomon was young and when he was a, the only son in the side of his mother, then David, he taught me and said to me, let your heart hold fast my words. So, so just as Solomon is saying, give attention to my words, hold on to them, do not abandon my instruction. David said, let your heart hold fast my words. Keep my commandments and live. David is saying to Solomon, if you will obey what I am teaching you, if you'll hold on to it, you'll live. This is the way to live. He says in verse 5, and this is again, this is David talking to Solomon. This is Solomon sharing what David had told him. His father had told him when he was young. Acquire wisdom. Acquire understanding. Don't just, don't just grow in your knowledge, but figure out how to apply it. Acquire wisdom. Acquire understanding. Do not forget nor turn away from the words of my mouth. Always hold on to them. Always let them guide you. He says in verse 6, Do not forsake her, meaning wisdom, being personified as a woman. She will guard you, love her, and she will watch over you. The beginning of wisdom is acquire wisdom. The very beginning to wisdom is the desire and the plan and the action to acquire wisdom. That's the very first step, just to decide, I want to be wise. To decide, I'm going to seek out wisdom. To decide, I'm going to listen to wisdom when I get it, and I'm going to hold on to it, and I'm going to remember it, and I'm going to let it guide my life. He says, with all your acquiring, get understanding. Prize her, and she will exalt you. She will honor you if you embrace her. She will place on your head a garland of grace. She will present you with a crown of beauty. There is nothing you can obtain in life more prized than to have wisdom. Think of all the, the, the what are they being called nowadays? Nepo babies or something? These Hollywood stars that are the children of Hollywood stars that are the children of Hollywood stars sometimes. And, and they have money. They have wealth. They have status. They lack wisdom. They think because they have a, a familiar name, they think because they can demand so much money at the box office that they have something worth listening to. But oftentimes they have no wisdom. 
Everything they have has been handed to them. We see this with uh, the children of the wealthy. They, they aren't necessarily wise. It is better to be poor and wise than to be wealthy and ignorant and foolish. The greatest thing you can get is wisdom to learn how to live your life the right way. And it starts in the home. Notice this is hero sons, the instruction of a father. This isn't general wisdom and this isn't the king talking to his kingdom and his advisors. No, this is a dad talking to his sons, wanting them to walk in his ways. He is talking to them and sharing with them. He says, you know, when I was little, when I was still a tender age, my dad sat me down and talked to me. And this is what he shared with me. And this is what I want to share with you. This is, this is the way of wisdom. It, it doesn't begin in church. It doesn't begin at school. It definitely doesn't begin at work, although sometimes you get a wise mentor later on in life that can help you guide to go down a good path. Wisdom, the acquiring of wisdom, the, the starting out and the path of wisdom, it begins at home. Instruction and wisdom begins at home. Whether or not we are going to, to know the right way to live is going to begin at home. And, and that's where sometimes a, pa- a parent that doesn't teach their child to make wise decisions. A parent who has given in to their own desires and teaches their child, do whatever you want, do what makes you feel good. Well, that child doesn't grow up with wisdom. But for a child to be an adult, to live with wisdom, it begins at home. And because of the way our, our society is structured, oftentimes those first uh, instructions at home are from the, the mother, are they not? Father is gone most of the time. So even though this is a father speaking to his sons, we can apply this to fathers and mothers, to parents in general, that, that instruction and wisdom begins at home. And that, that is what our, our job as parents should entail partly, is this is how to live. This is how to make good decisions. This is, this is the kind of things you want to do. I mean, it, it can be just as simple as chew with your mouth closed. You know, when I'm telling my kids to chew with their mouth closed, I'm not just thinking, I really don't want to see what you're eating or be more pleasant for me. I'm thinking, someday you're going to go to an interview and you're going to have lunch of that interview. And if you're sitting there eating like a slob, that could hurt you. But if you can chew with your mouth closed and you can use a fork and a knife properly and hold it properly, well, it may not get you the job, but it won't hurt you in getting a job. Even those little things. This is walking in the paths of wisdom. And it begins at home. Solomon continues in verse 10. He says, Hear my son and accept my sayings. Now, now, even as children and especially teenagers, it takes wisdom to be willing to accept the sayings of your parents, especially your dad at times, right? I mean, Solomon is saying, hear my son and accept my sayings. But there's that rebellious, I'm, I'm, I'm coming into my own identity. I'm going to be who I am and I don't have to listen to you. And, and that can happen all sorts of different ages. Son, accept 
my sayings. Daughter, accept my sayings. And there's a promise. And the years of your life will be many. The years of your life will be many. I have directed you, in verse 11, I have directed you in the way of wisdom. I have led you in upright paths. Uh, oftentimes, especially in Proverbs and in Psalms and the wisdom literature, uh, paths and, and walking in your way, it's not just talking about going on a trip or taking a walk. It's talking about the way we live our lives. So when he says, I have led you in upright paths, what he's saying is, I have led you in the way you should live your life. I am teaching you wisdom, accept my sayings. I'm directing you in the way of wisdom. I have led you in upright paths. And, and so in verse 12 he says, when you walk, as you go through life, your steps will not be impeded. If you'll listen to my words, your, your walk will not be impeded. You will make good progress. You will make good decisions in life. You're not going to mess up. You're not going to have to retrace your steps. And even if you run, you will not stumble. If you listen to my words, even if you run, you will not stumble. You'll walk in a good path, in a good way. He says in verse 13, take hold of instruction. Do not let her guard her, for she is your life. To, to know the ways of wisdom, to receive instruction. Sometimes it can be um, exhausting to receive instruction. Can it? You want to be the one that knows what you're doing. And it, it can hurt you to continually need to receive instruction on how to live and how to do things. But, but Solomon is saying, take hold of instruction. Don't, don't resist it. Don't reject it. But accept it. Be looking forward to it. Some, some modern uh, uh, business gurus, they talk about being willing to be the most ignorant person in the room. You know, if they don't understand something, they're willing to say, I don't understand this at all. Please explain it to me. And if they still don't understand it, they say, nope, break it down even more. I still don't understand. But by doing that, they receive instruction and they become wiser. To, to want to puff ourselves up and act like we know something when we don't, that's not wise. In fact, Scripture tells us that uh, um, if you rebuke a, a, a fool, you're just going to get abuse from them. But if you instruct a wise man or if you rebuke a wise person, they're going to receive that and they're going to become even wiser. And so when he says, take hold of instruction, what he is saying is, be wise, my son. Even if you don't like it. Even if you don't like the person who's given you it. Take hold of the instruction. They might have something that you need to know that you can grow from. And you'll be wiser and you'll be better off if you can humble yourself today and receive and take hold of that instruction. Be wise and accept that instruction. Uh, guard her. She is your life. And in contrast, in verse 14, he says, do not enter the path of the wicked and do not proceed in the way of evil men. Don't go. The, the, he's setting up the... Um, the two paths uh, contrast. There's the, the path of the righteous and the path of the wicked. And he's saying, walk in this path. If you walk in the paths I've directed you and I've taught you about and I've, I've shown you, you won't stumble. 
Even if you run, you won't stumble. You will walk and your steps will not be impeded. But if you go down this path, don't go down this path. But if you do, this is what's going to happen. This is what happens to people who go and enter the path of the wicked. I don't want you to enter that path. Don't proceed in the way of evil men. Why? He says in verse 15, avoid it. Do not pass by it. Turn away from it and pass on. That, that, remind, that makes me feel like a, you, know, you just got sent to jail in Monopoly. Do not pass go. Do not collect $200. You know? But in this case, it's don't go anywhere near the path. Avoid it. Don't even walk by it. Go out of your way to avoid the path of the wicked so that you don't accidentally get on it. Turn away from it and pass on. The way of the wicked looks good early on. The way of the wicked looks like it's going to lead to success. The way of the wicked is inherently cool in our culture. And the way of righteousness is kind of square. It's a dweeb's way. At least that's the way the world looks at it. And so you've got to be careful to avoid the path of the wicked. You need to turn away from it. Avoid it. Do not pass by it. Pass on from it instead. Why? Because in verse 16, the wicked, they cannot, for they cannot sleep unless they do evil. They are robbed of sleep unless they make someone stumble. Now remember, you walk the path of, the, of, of righteousness, you will not be impeded. If you run, you will not stumble. But here, the wicked, they live for wickedness. Wickedness is not the result. They, they live for the wickedness. And they cannot sleep unless they do evil. It, it disturbs them not to be evil. It disturbs them and they are robbed of sleep unless they can make someone stumble. Unless they can hurt someone else because they've already hurt themselves. They're on that path. He says this is the way of wicked people. They, they're robbed of sleep unless they make someone stumble. In verse 17, For they eat the bread of wickedness and drink the wine of violence. But the path of the righteous is like the light of dawn that shines brighter and brighter until the full day. And, and we see this fulfilled in Jesus Christ, that if we walk in the light as He is in the light, we are encouraged to, to believe in Jesus and to live by His light. Here He says the, the path of the righteous is like the light of dawn. It shines brighter and brighter until the full day. But in contrast again, in verse 19, the way of the wicked is like darkness. They do not know over what they stumble. See, they, they want to make other people stumble, but they are the ones that stumble and they can't even figure out why they're stumbling. They, they, they don't see it because their way is so dark. But if you walk in the paths of righteousness, if you walk according to the, the, the instruction that your parents give you, your steps will not be impeded. If you run, you won't stumble because you can see, because you're walking by the light. But the wicked, they walk in darkness, they stumble, they don't know why. Their desire is to do violence. They eat the bread of wickedness. Their life is wickedness. This is why they can't correct themselves. This is why they can't adjust and change. This is why as you walk in wisdom, as you walk with the Lord, you start recognizing the wickedness of the people around you. Because you're in the light and you can see it. But they think, no, that's just business as normal. No, that's just me getting ahead. No, that's just you being a loser and I'm going to be a winner and you don't have what it takes to win it all. I do. But they don't realize that they're stumbling. 
they don't realize that they're walking in darkness. We have gone from verses 1-9, through which were kind of the focus on when I was tender and the only son in the sight of my mother. You know, this is, this is the early years. Now, uh, we're talking about the paths that you're going to walk on. And, and what happens as we grow up is that we start spreading out from home, right? We leave home and we start going on other journeys. We go to school. We go to work. We have all these outside influences on us. And that's where the Father is saying, as you're, as you're going out from the house, as you're growing up, walk in my instruction. Don't forget it. Accept my sayings because then your life, the years of your life will be many. He says, this is the way to walk. Don't walk the path of the wicked. And, and, and so what we see here is, is as, the, as the parent is letting the child go, their hope is that they will continue to follow in the teaching that they've already received. That they will continue to seek instruction and wisdom and walk in the way they've been instructed. And the, the reason is because the parent knows that following the way of wisdom will help us live righteously. That, that, that following the way of wisdom will help us live righteously. It, it, it may not get you the nicest house on the block. It may not give you the, the, the flashiest cars. But all that stuff all that stuff is rubble. It, it, it's not going to last. But to live righteously, to live according to God's precepts, to, to live according to the light and to walk in the light, to not stumble as you walk, to treat people with honor and respect, not seeking how you might devour them or destroy them or get one over them. This is the way to live. This is the way to live righteously and wisdom guides us in that path. And so as we are children growing up, we, we're instructed, but at some point you've got to make the decision to continue to walk in the ways that your parents have instructed you. To say, you know what? Grandmom and granddad taught mom and dad these things. I'm going to live by them. And I'm going to have friends that are coming along that are going to try to instruct me and teach me to live in other ways. To take easy routes, maybe. But I'm not going to go those ways because my family lives this way. If we do that, following wisdom, following the way of wisdom will help us live righteously and not go down the paths of the wicked. Solomon ends this chapter by saying in verse 20, My son, give attention to my words. I mean, this is a this is a parent pleading for their child again and again and again. My son, give attention to my words. Incline your ear to my sayings. Do not let them depart from your sight. Keep them in the midst of your heart. Bury this deep down within you. And, and the heart, uh, in, the, in the Bible, they talked about heart. Heart was not the seat of your emotions. Your heart was the seat of your will and your decision making. What, what we kind of, what we view as being in our brains, you know, our heads, we're smart. In the Bible times, that was here in their heart. 
And, and what we feel when we talk about hearts and emotions and things like that, well, that was lower down. That was the gut in the Bible times. That's where, and, and that makes sense, right? Because you get all nervous about somebody that's cute or handsome. You know, the butterflies are here, right? They're not here. So maybe the Bible had it right and we're a little bit messed up. But, but the wisdom, the decision of how I'm going to live my life, it's here in your heart, not up here in your head as far as they're concerned. When he says keep them in the midst of your heart, he means in your, in your willpower, in your choosing how you're going to live. He says in verse 22, for they are life to those who find them. What is life? My words. The Father is saying, give attention to my words. Incline your ear to my saying. Do not let them depart from your sight. Keep them in the midst of their heart, for they are life to those who find them. This is a Father who has no arms, no hesitation. I have the goods. I have wisdom. I want you to hear it. I want you to live by it. I want you to hold on to it. Isn't that the way we feel as mothers and fathers? Hear my words. Live by them. When you leave my house, as you move on in the world, don't forget. Keep these things. Because it will help you walk righteously and to live righteously, but also, as he says here uh, in verse 22, they are life to those who find them and health to all their body. Watch over your heart with all diligence. For from it flow the springs of life. Put away from you a deceitful mouth and put devious speech far from you. Be true in what you say. And, and Jesus takes this and talks about it is not what goes into the body which defiles us, right? Not the food that we eat that defiles us, but what comes out of our mouths because it comes from our hearts. That the heart is the wellspring of life. The heart is what decides how you're going to live. And remember, we're talking about heart in the way that we think of head and mind. How you choose to live will give you life or it will be destruction for you. And he says, guard your heart. Watch over it with all diligence. Put away from you a deceitful mouth, a lying mouth. Put devious speech far from you. Then he moves to the eyes in verse 35, he sa- or 25, excuse me. He says, let your eyes look directly ahead. Let your gaze be fixed straight in front of you. Watch the path of your feet. Watch the way you're walking. Pay attention to how you're walking in life. Pay attention to the journey that you're on and the decisions that you're making. And all your ways will be established. Do not turn to the right nor the left. Turn your foot from evil. This isn't a, a, a statement about, you know, we use right and left politically and socially, and that's, that's nowadays. That's not what he's talking about. What he's talking about is be focused on the, on the direction that you're headed. Don't allow yourself to get off to one side or the other. Keep your feet from the way of evil. Turn your foot from evil. Keep on that path. Keep focused. Let your eyes look directly ahead. Let your gaze be fixed straight in front of you. Don't depart from the path I have started you on. And and why? 
because it is health. Uh, these words that I've taught you, they are life to those who find them and health to all their body. The way of wisdom leads to a healthy life. I, I think it's both physical and spiritual. The way of wisdom leads to a healthy life. If we are wise in the decisions we make, we will avoid certain dangers that can cause us grief and physical harm. Sometimes it can be through the foolishness of, you know, if you're speeding and recklessly driving and you find yourself after an accident without a leg, without an arm, my dad lost a finger in an accident. Fortunately, he was able to move on with life. Pinkies that much. But it could have been worse. If we walk in wisdom, it is health to all our bodies. It is a, a way of leading a healthy life. Not just physically in our bodies, but spiritually in how we treat one another, how we look at the world, how we live. The way of wisdom leads to health. But the way of the wicked, deceitful speech and devious speech, such things destroy. Just as he was saying in, in the second section, the wicked eat the bread of wickedness, they drink the, vi the wine of violence, they don't know over what they stumble. They, they corrupt themselves. And when you corrupt yourself, and if you grow in corruption, that is unhealthy. Sometimes it manifests in physical ways, but it definitely shows up in spiritual ways. And so Solomon's desire for his sons, for his children, it, it, his hope, and, and I think probably any decent parent's hope is that their children will grow up in wisdom. That we will be able to teach them wisdom, that they would receive it, accept it, allow it to guide their life so that they might walk in the paths of righteousness and they might have health in their life, spiritual and physical. And I would say maybe with the spiritual mental as well. That is, that is the promise. That is the hope that Solomon has. That is why he pleads with his children. Listen to my words. And so I, I want to encourage you if you're a mother and a father today, are you sharing words of wisdom with your children? Are you encouraging them in the path that they need to go? I want to encourage you as much as they fight you on it, as much as they rebuke you or say, I don't want to listen to you or you don't know anything because you're old, they need it. Guide them on the path. Grandchildren, guide them on the path. Remember, Solomon was sharing what David told him. Well, sometimes we need the grandparents to tell us directly too. And I want to encourage you if you're a child today, if you're a teenager, if you're a preteen, even if you're grown and you got a job and you're all out, 
Don't ignore the instructions of your parents. Don't ignore the words that they have. They might not know how to program a VCR, although that doesn't matter these days so much anymore, right? They might not know how to do the computer things or to get their phone to work. They have wisdom that works throughout all generations. Listen to them. Hold on to their words. Don't ignore them. But receive them. It'll be life to you. And I guarantee you, above all else, our parents want us to have life. To have a good life. An abundant life. A life of right walking not the paths of the wicked. So make it a Mother's Day gift today. Listen to Mom. Listen to Dad. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we, we thank You that You love us, that You lead us in paths of righteousness for Your name's sake. Lord, that You are willing to discipline us, that You do not withhold discipline, but as a father disciplines the son he loves. You discipline us and you desire to guide us in your ways. We thank you, Father, that you have given us your son, Jesus Christ. Uh, There is no wiser decision we can make, no way to walk the path of righteousness than to believe in Jesus Christ, to receive his forgiveness and death on the cross and to believe in His resurrection. We pray, Lord, that we would desire wisdom, that we would work to acquire it, and, Lord, that we would receive Your Son. And we pray, Lord, if there is anyone here today who is walking in paths of wickedness, who is stumbling and they're not sure why, Lord, we pray that You would open their eyes that they might see the light that they might see their need to follow Jesus and to receive salvation through Him. We pray, Lord, You would open our hearts to You today. In Jesus' name we ask. Amen.